book of First John, the fourth chapter, the thirteenth to the sixteenth verse. This reading is also in your bulletin. If you are able, please stand for the reading. This is how we know that we live in him, and he is in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the, of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is the word of the Lord. So, you guys remember emails back in the 90s? You guys don't. I'll talk over here, because you're all too young. Remember these emails? Remember this? They had, like, this was before HTML, for those computer geeks, right? You had the text, and then they got really cool. I'll, I'll enlighten y'all. Thank you. They got really cool. They had pictures, and, and now they have, like, Flash and all these different types of computeries. This one was awesome. I remember, this is dated... October 28th, 1996. And, and look at this smiley face. Isn't that cool? Dude, I thought that was the coolest thing ever, right? And you got, got this guy right here. Winnie the Pooh. Come on. And then I had, oh, there's my favorite right over here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at this. Come on. Nate. It's the Eagles. Come on. You like that? Come on. You can't see? You know. Well, there, there's some funny ones, and you know retired people always send you lots of forwards. My dad retired a year ago, took him like three days, and we're like, we can tell you're retired because you're clogging up my inbox. They're really cute, like the father's eyes story. And, of course, people don't know how to delete all this stuff back then. And then just a hint, guys, this is just for free. Use blind carbon copy, please. Please, goodness, sending me spam. If you don't know what I'm talking about, sorry. Uh, this was a funny one. I pulled this. I don't know why I even saved these things, you know? I'm glad I did, though, because I probably would have deleted them otherwise. All right, here, I want you to guess what the context of this is, okay? It says, go on a tirade about proper oral hygiene. Guesses? Guesses? This is a good one. This is a good one. Um, show up. No, 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 no. Ride into the room on a bicycle. Yell, look out and crash. Any hints yet? You got it? Keep accidentally setting fires. You, you know what this letter's about? Anybody? You know what it's about? Shoot him or her with a water pistol. Scream and run around the room, knocking things over. Say, pretty scary, huh? Anybody guess what this is? No? This is 25 ways to annoy your professor in college. This was great. There's some good stuff. You guys want to use that later. I'll, I would say an email to you, but I can't because it's from 1996, December 4th. And you know, what we're doing today is kind of like looking into that email. Because we're going to take four verses in a book of five chapters, and we're going to say, here it is. Guess what it's about? That's what we do a lot of times with Scripture. We take this little piece out, and we're like, oh, yeah, God spoke to me. What's going on with the big picture? And we go, is this 25 ways about how to know your professor? Or is this just some little thing pulled out of context? And so every, anytime we've got we to uh, look at Scripture, we've got to see where it's at. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the ABCs of assurance. Maybe you've heard about the ABCs of, of how to come to Christ. My wife uses ABCs to teach kids. 
Maybe you've, uh, you talk about ABCs of, of sanctification, meaning becoming more like Jesus. This is how you know, how you know you're assured that you're God's and that you don't have to worry about working to earn heaven or, or a relationship with God. And so we're going to take a look at the passage, okay? Let's look here. It says, by this, and I, I'm, I'm highlighting this because I used a little different version than my man used here. Sorry about your cowboys. Um, this is 1 John 4, and, and I, I used a different version because of those, uh, those key words, all right? It says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he's given us of his spirit. And Mark's been talking about spirit, 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 and he's just, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. He keeps going like that. I could, I've been l- working on my impressions of you. I'll be able to get you down in a couple weeks. Listen to that podcast and say, come on. <laughs> it says, we've seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now you see those underlined words. We're going to take a look at that in a minute, but we've got to look back to the passage Mark read uh, two weeks ago, because it says, by this we know. Well, what's this? You know, it's like, by this. I mean, if I read the whole context of some of these guys, it's hilarious. Show up to a class about ten minutes late, ride into the room on a bicycle, yell, look out, and crash into the blackboard. Get up, take a seat, act like nothing happened. Do this every day. You see how you, you take ride into the room on a bicycle, it makes no sense, and then you, you expand it out, and you're like, oh, I'm trying that tomorrow. That's awesome. You can't. <laughs> By this we know. By what? So we take a look back here at 1 John 4, 11 and 12, the two verses preceding this. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. That's why it's belief. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. There's 1 John 4, 11 and 12. So then it says, okay, we abide in him, and we abide in us. It's kind of repeated. You're like, all right, cool, whatever, Wes. Or to quote Mark, what am I talking about? What, what am I talking about here? <laughs> Sorry, I just can't, I can't help it. Okay, look at those uh, words. This is a little English lesson. These words are all verbs. If you ever want to r- kind of highlight whenever you're reading scripture, just highlight the verbs. Pull them all out. What's God trying to say to do? Or what is God doing? And if you look here, it says abide, testify, confess, abide, know, believe, abide, 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 abide. And I use that word instead of the other one, which said remain. Abide just sounds cooler. Am I right? Yeah, it does. It sounds more theological. So when we talk about the ABCs of, of assurance, I reference back to the ABCs of, um, of salvation. My wife always says, okay, listen, you're all sinners. You have to admit, right? You have to admit that you're a sinner. You admit that you're sinful. Well, well in this... The way to know you're connected to Jesus, as John's been talking about throughout this book, that God reigns in you and that, that he loves you, is to abide. Abide, uh, I remember our, uh, a prof of mine just saying, abide, this word means to like sink deeply. Now I've got three, uh, three nails here. Y'all see? If not, you can stand up, it's okay. So, um, we take a nail... 
okay? If I do that, you kind of like, you can see it, right? It, it's kind of sticking out, though. You might be able to pull a little yarn and get it caught or something. But then you got this, right? The nail driver. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what this is? No? Oh, boy. For real. Man, I'll show you how it works. You want to come up here? Hold this. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to punch that in. Okay, now it's inside it, right? It's actually, it's, it's sunk deeply within it. You see it? See it? Now, some of us, we get, we get a bound. We get a bited. I don't know how to use that word. We start, we, we're chopping away, and we're like, oh, man, oh. We're not even close. We're like, ah, oh, I give up. You know what Jesus does? He says, you know what? You can still abide in me. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to embarrass myself. I can't even straighten this nail out, right? And he says, no, I'm going to make you straight again. His love can be perfected in us, right? And he says, look, you can abide in me. You're crooked, but no, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> I, can pound, woo! I can pound you in. Uh, and that's what it means. And, and this comes up in 1 John, right in this little passage here, what, four times? Yeah, 12, 13, 15, 16. I, I kind of rewound a little bit. Abide. Now, John, as we know, wrote the gospel. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. So when you look at it, he uses this word abide 33 times. 1 John, 18 times. Okay, now, John has 21 chapters. It's pretty long. 1 John, what, 5? Is it 6? No, 5. 5, yeah. Uh, he uses it 18 times. That's crazy. He obviously means something by this sinking deeply. Second John, he uses it twice, and that book's only, what, like a couple chapters. And then Revelation 17, 20. Now, I want to read John 15. If you've got your Bible turned there, I don't have it on the screen. Bishop Williams uh, said, bring your Bibles. If you didn't this week, shame on you. I think that's what he said, right? Shame on you. Yeah, okay. I got it on my phone, man. All right. John 15, 4 to 11. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, your Bible might say remain. It's a little stronger than just stay. Some of these uses in John says, he, you know, Jesus abided. He stayed in that town. But here, it's, it's intense. It says, if I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? Apart from him, we can do nothing. It's like saying, you know, this nail does nothing without the wood. It doesn't. It does nothing without it. That's what he says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered together, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. If that verse doesn't change your prayer life, I don't know what would. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you. I looked, I was like, that his joy might be abided in you. It's not really that word, but it sounds like it. That your joy might be full. I think God wants that. 
It's not a, I can't do religion. It's a, oh man, I get to. It really is. It's not about what you can't do. It's about who he is and what he allows you to do because of who he is. So, there's abide. Next, we go on to be. And my wife, when she talks to kids, she says, look, admit you're a sinner and then believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead. Yeah, okay, cool. That's the second step. And so we use that. We say believe. And you know what? John says that here too, but he uses believe and another word, which is no. This word believe is actually the same word we use in Scripture for faith. It's funny. Every athlete's like, man, I just had to believe in myself. Man, you didn't. You worked a tail off. You were probably part of a team, and you had a coach, and they made you good. And by God's grace, you're even strong enough and have a physique that can do that. Believe in yourself? For real? Dude. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're like, for real? You believe in yourself? What does that even mean? I have no idea. Um, so John, John talks about this. He says you have to have faith. Now, the reality of belief is that it can be somewhat misconstrued. Um, because sometimes we believe something, and it doesn't always happen. Today, I, uh, I recognize that uh, this was the day, what, 1999, that I got engaged. Very exciting, I know. My heart warms. And I believed that this relationship would last forever. I had no reason not to think so, but nine months later, she gave me the ring back. Yeah, now you're not saying, oh, congratulations. <laughs> Can I get something like a, aww? That's right. I, I'm glad she did that. Belief, when you're so fixed on it, when it gets taken away, it hurts so bad. One, one guy says that uh, I'd rather have a, a tooth pulled than a belief pulled because there's no heart, no vocane. Hmm. Man, that's true. And and sometimes we feel like, oh, do I, do I just believe and I'm going to get the, the rug pulled out from under me? And John's saying, no, you believe and you stay true. You abide in me and you believe in me with all you got and you will know. Now, know is great. This is where gnosko, that's where we get the term Gnostics. Mark's mentioned it really well. I don't know how he simplified the definition of what they were, but I've, I, I wish I could repeat it. I actually listened to your podcast on the way over trying to go. Gnostics. Gnostics were these weird guys who focused on knowledge, okay? Knowledge more than the person of Christ to transform us. Um, it was really funny because John's writing clearly against these guys. It would almost be like um, one of the Raven players going up to the fort. Oh, too soon? Sorry. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Uh, it'd be like a guy in the NBA, you know, he takes him, he's got the crossover, he goes down the court, and then he just dunks it on the guy's face. And then the next game, the guy just kind of double crosses him over, and then he just comes around with a reverse jam and just looks at him like, what now? You know, that's what he's saying. He's saying, no, no, that God is the one. Right in your face, Gnostics, take that, bam, right? I mean, you got you to gotta act out scripture. Right? My, Trace, got that? Good. So he's, he's slamming them. 
And he's also in the, the same breath of slamming them, giving us assurance and confidence of who we are in Christ. Remember, apart from him, we can do nothing. So there's believe and know. Here's his use of believe, and, and it's, it's really kind of cool. I took the first reference of believe in the Gospel of John and the last that I saw. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's John the Baptist, not the writer here. He came as a witness. Can I get one? All right. To bear witness about the light. And we're going to talk about witness and testify in a second. That all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. He was pointing to Jesus. And, and that little verse there, it says, that all might believe through him. That was the whole point of his existence. And then the Gospel of John, it's not the last chapter, but it's, a, it's the last verse of the chapter before. I just love this verse. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Thankfully, we got four Gospels. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, or excuse me, by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the whole point that John writes. And I would argue all five of the little books and letters we have from him are for that reason, that you might believe in him. So he, he's intense with this belief. So how are we assured? We, we abide and we believe. Now the reality is it takes faith. Let's, let's be honest, you know? I mean, how do you know the Norman conquest happened or, or that the Spanish Armada was defeated in 1588? Oh, I remember that. But we believe it because people have written it down. There's no other text and document in the world that has as many <laughs> proof, as much proof as the Bible does. It, it's, it's, I mean, if you ever looked at it, it is crazy, crazy. Not e you can't even forward emails that many times. Now, John uses this word no, and um, a lot. You could tell that non John throughout his Gospels communicating to these guys, saying no, no, no. Not N-O, but no, that, that Jesus is it. John 2, he says, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them. Because he knew all people. And he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. I, th I think that's really telling, simply because of... The reality is we can know God, but this says he knows us. He knows you. There's no hiding from God. He knows you inside and out. I'm sorry, and you're welcome. It's encouraging, and it's convicting. Um, John MacArthur said in like 19, late 70s, he said this, he said, uh, the sum of man's knowledge, if in 1845 you could measure all of man's knowledge, it would be one inch. Between 1845 uh, and 1945, it'd go up to three inches. Between 1945 and 1976, before the info age, you could measure it as tall as the Washington Monument. The reality is we know so much right now. You can get information in an instant. I remember card catalogs in the library, not Google. I mean, you had to look stuff up. And you're like, wow, I found something. And now you have like 50 of something. 
We are full of knowledge. But do we know God? Yeah, we do. We can. We abide. We believe. And when we believe, we know that God, oh, that he has us. Because we can do nothing by ourselves. Now, the last one, my wife uh, corrected me this morning. I showed her my fancy little slideshow. And I, I said, hey, um, you know, this, the C, whenever you talk about it, you say confess Christ as Lord. Like, you proclaim Christ. And she's like, no, you commit. So apparently I got it wrong. Um, it's supposed to be commit. But for this purpose, and this is great to tell kids, hey, admit you're a sinner. Believe that Christ has died for you and has conquered death. And then commit to follow him for the rest of your life. A lot of easier said than done. A lot easier. Now, um, confess comes in verse 16. Confess and testify, and you go, well, aren't those kind of the same? Sort of. Confess, it takes that word, I know, homo, which means same. Homo sapiens, homosexuals, means same, right? Homo, same, and then logos, word. Every t- I looked a lot of these things up, and it said, every time it said, look, you confess something, you're saying there's a direct object. There's something that follows it that you say, I confess that. And actually, it means the same as that word. So I say, I love you. I confess, I love you. I'm, I'm saying, I'm the same as that word love to you. I confess, I am going to be Judas in a play. Oh, sorry, my bad. I won't go there. <laughs> Just joking, man. But you confess something, and you, you're actually saying, I am that. And so when, when you say, I am a Christian, I confess that. I'm saying I'm the same as this. I'm the same as this. So you're saying, here, I, this is what I am. And sometimes it says, uh, he confesses, like Jesus said, I confess that you are not something. And so it goes both ways, but it means it's kind of the same. And I thought that was just really, really fascinating. The, the next word, very similar, it means it, it's testify. He says confess and testify. Obviously, he meant two different things. He wouldn't have wasted papyrus to not mean two different things. And it means to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something, or they know because they were taught by divine revelation or inspiration. I thought that was really cool because that's actually from Merriam-Webster, not any type of Christian thing. It says, you're affirming that you experienced something, or you know because I can testify because something's in me, and I can say amen to that. I can say, wow, yeah, that is God. I testify. And that's Merriam-Webster. It's not some Greek lexicon or something like that. Now, here's some uses. John's use of confess. You see it only a few times here. There's not a ton of uses for it. I love this. Revelation 3, 5. He's talking to the church at Sardis. He says, the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And Jesus says, I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He's saying, I'm going to make you the same, almost as me, before the Father. He confesses his name. That is awesome. You get to be in the same name and, and presence and, and, and oneness with Jesus. I mean, so we praise in John 17, Lord, may they, be, may they be one as I am one with you. So Revelation 3, 5. And then if you take a look... Uh, Again, gospel testify, it's in a lot. There's references. Um, maybe I'll post these or something. You can have them or something. But the last, right before the last verse, the second to last verse of the Bible, it says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely 
I am coming soon. Who's the one testifying? Jesus. He's the one who's saying, I'm coming soon, guys. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Wow. He's testifying it. Now, here's the problem, and, and, and forgive me if I make you feel a little uncomfortable, is a lot of people confess Christ, and they testify that they're following him, but the reality is that they're not. You say you're the same as Christ, but you're not. And we're all sinners, sure. But when you go and say, I'm a believer, and then I walk out of here, and, and I do whatever I want, because honestly, the devil makes a lot of things that aren't right feel good. You're messing it up for everybody. Because when you testify you're a Christian and you're, you're doing something else, you mess it up for me who's trying to call myself a Christian. Vice versa, I've done it for you, and I'm sorry. But we need to say we are the same as the one. And when we do, you don't take that lightly. You know, the term Christian is just so popular. I mean, my father-in-law goes to uh, around the world, and uh, he went to Pakistan, actually, um, and he said, I'm from America, and they assume that American means Christian, and therefore it's bad. And so when he goes over there and he says, look, I'm an American, I really like you. You're a great person. Let me take your picture because you're beautiful. And he does. He says this, and he does that. They go, wow, I thought you Americans were all evil. And synonymously, I thought you all Christians were evil. It's crazy. I mean, they just, you know, make that to be the same thing. It, it's, it's quite sad. There's a newspaper publisher and, and politician, uh, William Beverbrook, and he met this, uh, this young politician named Edward Heath. Um, and, and the newspaper publisher, William, he, he, uh, he had a recent editorial insulting this particular politician, Edward. And they ran into each other in a washroom. It's a British story, so they say washroom instead of bathroom. <laughs> and he says, you know, I was thinking about it. The, the guy who published the article, I was thinking about it, and I, I really, uh, I was wrong. And uh, I want to apologize. And he said, well, thank you. I take that apology. He says, next time, do me a favor and apologize in the paper and criticize in the bathroom. I said, oh, dang. <laughs> Knowledge. No, it just doesn't come across the same. Where and how are you confessing that Jesus is Lord? Is it in the washroom? I go to my bathroom, and I'm like, yeah, Jesus. And then I come out in the public, and I say, oh, I didn't know him. How are you confessing? If you're on trial, testifying, I'm a believer. Would you be guilty or would you get off? Alexander the Great, this is a, um, this is a legend that I absolutely love. Alexander the Great, he's, uh, he's walking, he couldn't sleep one night. He's walking in the camp and he says, uh, he sees this guy who's a guard and he's sleeping. Ooh. Now, the punishment for people sleeping was typically they'd pour kerosene on you and then light you on fire. Bummer. I worked overnight shifts. I'm sure glad I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> and he looked at him, and the, the guy woke up. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he said, boy, what's your name? And he said, uh, Alexander. Same name as Alexander the Great. He said, really? 
He said, son, you either change your name or you change your conduct. Change, either change your name or change your game. Change your name as believer and follower of Jesus or change your game. It's one or the other. So I'm a Christian, fine, I'm going to change my game. Oh, I don't really want to change my game. Then don't confess Christ. Don't testify that you are a son of the Most High. See, confess is with your mouth. Testify is with your actions. You can talk or talk. But can you walk the walk? Change your name or change your game. You're like, man, but I can't. Wes, I can't do it. I, I just can't do it. I, I, well, right. You can't do anything without him. Didn't we already cover this? And as Mark's been saying so powerfully, and he's tried every single way other than doing cartwheels to say that Jesus lives in you. I got a great story that I just love to tell. I've probably told this dozens of times. But I understand it to be true. If not, it's just a great story, and Jesus made up a lot, so just forgive me. There was an Irish lady back in the early 1900s. Her husband died. He was very wealthy, so therefore she was very wealthy. They had a big house on the hill, and electricity was just coming out. And she decided, I got money. I'm going to buy electricity for my home. And so she had electricity installed. Oh, man, all the people in the town were so excited, like, She's got electricity. So, so excited for her. And she gets it installed. And people in the town don't see it, see the lights on ever. They're like, what's going on? Uh, And then some people saw it come on just for like five, ten minutes at night. What's going on? And it would go off, you know, like a big mansion. You got one light go on and off. It's like she was checking the lights or something like that. And so finally she comes to town. They say, lady, what? I thought you had electricity installed. She said, yeah, I got electricity installed. They said, well, why are the lights never on? She says, no, I use them once a day. They said, why do you use them once a day? She said, well, I go into the room, I light a match, I put it on the candle, and I turn the lights off. I go into another room, I turn the lights on, I find the candle, I light a match, and I, I, I turn the lights off, and I go to the next room. And she goes all through her house like that, and her house is candlelit, even though she has electricity. Folks, You and I have electricity. It's called the Holy Spirit. Don't be lighting candles. Use the power that God has given you. Abide in Christ. Believe and know that he is Lord and testify and confess it. Amen?